This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Welcome, everybody, to the Skeptical Skeptics Podcast. I'm your host, RJ Metzger. And I'm Rachel Metzger. And we're on episode 45. So... Again, not a lot's going on. We were supposed to uh, do, or we were close to doing Ghost Hunt, but Rachel lamed out. So, you know. I wanted to go on a real date. Yeah. So everybody Excuse me. blow her up and we'll go do another one because I am healed up and ready to go. Pretty much. Um, what else? Oh, we have uh, a review that we want to shout out from uh, Tech Support 84 on iTunes. Yeah, Apple. Um, they said that they found us on accident, but now they're listening on purpose. So thanks for sticking around. Glad you found us. However, however you found us. Um, other than that, not a whole lot going on. I think I'm going to lose in fantasy football this week, so that's not ideal. Uh, what else? You got any news? No, I'm just going back to work this week, which kind of stinks. Yeah, I am. Um, that's it. That's pretty much it. Yeah. So in the news this week, we have that. Um, do you remember when we did? Yeah, of course. Obviously. Episode four. Never forget. Um, because it was the first one that we were actually like decent at. <laughs> at least I think. Yeah, I think um, it was like when we finally were like, oh, we're not completely the worst. Yeah. And it just wasn't the first in the set of three is that we first released. Um, but anyway, so the second ever confirmed extrasolar so outside of our solar system um object has been confirmed and it is um called comet 21 borisov and it has water spraying off of it because it's a comet right yeah um which is you know all comets do so and it's headed direct and pretty much directly towards the sun so as it goes that water will vaporize um and the coolest part about it unlike the probe which people thought might be a spaceship it wasn't um but the cool part about this is that shows that water is prevalent outside of our solar system as well oh yeah right think about that huh interesting Yeah, so only a second confirmed object that was not from an origin within our solar system, and it has water, so very cool. Um, Maybe it's just proving that that weird Matthew McConaughey movie is right. Interstellar? Yeah, remember he goes to that world that's like pure water? Oh, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Man, that was the thing of nightmares. Um, Okay, so this week I'm talking about a ghost show actor who saw a ghost. What are you talking about? Don't they, isn't that like their job to see ghosts? No. I'll explain. Okay. Um, I'm going to be talking about, I called it the Panama disappearance. All it really says is like these girls' names, but I figured it'd be easier just to kind of like tighten it up. So here we go. We, are you ready for this? Are you prepared? No, 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 no. No. It's not a bit basketball game. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I'm ready. Anyways. Um, so Chris Kremers and... Lisa Ann, or it's one word, Lisanne, sure, Froon. Um, so they were both girls that went to school together in the Netherlands and they were roommates and everything. And so um, during their break from school, they decided that they were going to travel to Panama together and kind of like do a volunteer thing where um, they would be volunteer social workers to little kids. And also at the same time, they wanted, they were going to learn Spanish. Like that was kind of the goal while they were there. So on March 15th of 2014, they had headed out to live there for a month. Um, They stayed with a host family, but 
there was some kind of mix up because somehow like the school sent them there a week early. Like the whole program didn't start until a week later, which seems really weird that like this is the school's program. And they messed that up anyways. So the girls were there for like a whole week. So they were like, we might as well find something to do, you know? So on April 1st of 2014, the girls decided to go on a hike in the Panama jungle. There's lots of like, gave lots of like where it's at, but unless you're in Panama, you're not going to know what I'm, what it is. So I decided not to try to butcher lots of names. Um, but yeah, they decided to go on a hike in the jungle and there was like a legit trail. A a what? You just said a hike. A hike? Yeah. There was like, like that the- guy with the lightning, you know what I'm saying? A hike. <laughs> What are you talking about? Oh my God, baby, look. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Anyways. If you don't know what I'm talking about, I don't know. What would you even look up? I have no clue. Guy on beach speaks nonsense girlfriend when girlfriend gets almost, almost hit by lightning. Struck by lightning. I don't know how else to say it. Um. Okay. Anyways, so it was a hike with like a real trail. It wasn't like they just like left off on their own. I mean, they did, but like at least they were they were going on a trail. Okay. So, um, the host family had them take their dogs because the dogs like knew this trail really well. Cause I swear dogs in like countries other than the U S are like actually good at things. We just like hibernate our dogs inside of our houses and don't take them anywhere. But there's these dogs that are just like, I know the trail. Unless you're in the Pacific Northwest. Those people have crazy good trail dogs. Yes. But like the rest of us, it's like, if, if I sent our dogs on a trail, Larry, He'd be gone forever. He, he literally would not go down the trail. No, that's true. Molly would be gone forever. Molly would go down the no, trail. Molly would be good. She'd be, no, but she'd be afraid. She'd hear some weird noise or something and she'd be afraid and she'd get lost. And Winnie isn't smart enough. Anyways, um, so the family said that they left for their hike around 11 a.m. Okay. So then later that night, the dogs returned back to the house without the girls, which obviously is not what's supposed to happen. So the family reported that to the police. Um, they waited until April 3rd. So it was two days later. And then they, when the girls didn't show up, they started a search. And they started this search where the locals did it by foot and the authorities did it by helicopter. I'm assuming they said air, but I'm assuming helicopter. Um, so by, by April 6th, the, uh, both of the girls' families, as well as, uh, like police and police dogs and stuff from the Netherlands showed up to Panama and started their search. Also, um, the parents also put out a $30,000 us dollar reward for anyone that found them. Um, but after many, many weeks of searching, they didn't find anything. Uh, 10 weeks later, a local village, like a local woman from a village close turned a blue backpack into the police. She said that she found the backpack in a river in a, sorry, not a river in a rice paddy by a riverbank near her village. And she's, that's where she worked. And so she stated the, like she'd been there yesterday and the backpack wasn't there. Um, after searching the backpack, the police decided that it belonged to Froon. The backpack had um, money, sunglasses, uh, both the girls' ba- passports, water bottles, uh, Froon's camera, um, and both of their phones. <laughs> so even though this has been found in a rice paddy, which is wet and near a riverbank, Apparently, it's a really good backpack because all the stuff inside was dry. Of every of anything that they had on them, that backpack had like. Oh, everything, everything, everything they needed. Yeah, they're yeah. done for. Um, so when they turned the well, this was 10 weeks later. 
Well, still. When yeah. they turned the girls' phones on, they said they saw that starting just about five hours later, so like at like 5.30, um, the girls started making phone calls to 911 and also 112, which I did not know is the international, international emergency number. Yeah. Um, but the calls weren't going through because they didn't have any service. Between April 1st and April 3rd, there were six attempts of these distress calls. Only one went through and it lasted for about two seconds before it broke up and died. Um, after that, they stopped trying to call the police or anything because, you know, it wasn't working anyways. And they, I, I'm assuming they were attempting to save battery on their phones because it, show, it showed many times that they had their phones off, would turn it on really fast and then turn it back off on again, assuming they were looking if they had signal. Um, so on April 5th, Froon's phone completely died and did not get turned on again. Um, on April 6th, Kremer's phone was turned on and attempted to be opened, but the pin wasn't put in correctly. Um, from this time on, there were many more attempts to break, to get into her phone, but it was never, then the correct code was never put in again. So, um, that was the sixth. So then between April 7th and April 10th, cause you know how you can still do emergency calls, even if a phone is locked, there were 77 emergency call attempts. So it was clearly her friend, right? But again, none of them went through. Yeah. Then the the person died and the main um, one died. On April 11th, the phone was turned on at 10 p.m., turned off at 11 p.m. and never turned on again. Um. So, OK, that's April 11th. Remember, they started this hike on the 1st. This is April 11th. So after um, that's all they obviously all they found on the phones. After looking at Froon's camera, um, they were able to find, uh, you know, a few dozen po- pictures on the first day um, of them all happy and smiling and then, um, but the, the Panama police were able to see from the background and things like that, that it seemed that the girls had gone off of the actual trail and kind of ended up in the jungle. After the first day, the girls didn't really take any more pictures. At least they didn't put them in this chronological order. Um, there weren't very many t- pictures taken after the first day, but then on April 8th, Between 1 a.m. and 4 a.m., there were 90 flash photos taken. And in a certain, some of them were taken like in in succession of each other, like over and over again. Um, And all of the pictures were just like night, like the jungle at night. Like it was like where they were walking or like the trees or whatever. Um, And there's also a picture taken. I tried to look at when this was taken, like what day or if they or whatever, but I couldn't find it. Um, of what seemed to be the back of Kremer's head. Um, and it's, it appears that she has blood on her temple. Um, so those are all the, that's all the importance that they found in the backpack. So with the discovery of the backpack, they started searching in that area where the backpack was found because they hadn't searched there yet. Um, uh, in that area, about a few kilometers away from where the backpack was found, they found Kremer's jean shorts zipped up and neatly folded on top of a rock. Um, from all this searching two months later, they found a pelvis and a boot with a foot inside. Um, after there, that there were at least 33 other bones found scattered around the riverbank. DNA testing said that they both belonged to the girls. Interestingly, uh, Froon's bones, um, had skin on, had, still had some skin on them, but, uh, it was found that Kramer's bones had appeared to have been bleached. Um, so what the theories are 
at the beginning, there was no one, no one said anything about foul play or anything. They just said, obviously they got lost, um, probably died of starvation. Most people believe they got lost at some point. Kramer got hurt. Um, and possibly died. And then Froon was trying to get help. And she was the one trying to open up Kremer's phone and didn't know her password. Didn't know the password, yeah. Um, or people believe that. So they think that the pictures that were taken in the nighttime were either were most likely, especially the quick and succession ones, where you're in the jungle in the dark and you hear loud, you hear scary noises around you. And so they were either trying to scare away whatever they heard or trying to see it. Um also some believe that they were using like probably, you know, I mean, they were, what they were trying to say is they believe that like the girls probably stayed in one area, but then if they did start walking for whatever reason somewhere and they felt the need to in the night because something bad was happening or whatever, they were using it as a um, flashlight to see things. Um, one, uh, one thing I saw, I, I found a lot of these theories on Reddit. One theory, someone said that I, I feel like sounds the most kind of what could have happened is that Kremer got hurt. Froon decided to go look for help, but understanding that they're in the jungle in the middle of nowhere, she started taking photos of where she was going. Um, so she could come back and then possibly in those photos, the quick succession ones were also could also have been fear could also have been what it, you know, noises. Um, another one that I thought was interesting too, is because the search started, on April 3rd and these photos were taken on April 8th. Some were saying that there's a chance that they heard like the helicopters or people far away trying to look for them. And so they started taking the photos to try to flash to like alert. a beacon. Yeah. Yeah. So people could see them. But again, they're, it was, it's a really dense jungle. So dense, yeah. Um, and then because of the bleached bones, obviously, and the bones being all scattered the way that they were, there are some believe that there's a chance that, um, there, that there was foul play in there. I don't, I mean, other than that, there's no like solid evidence to what happened because all they found was bones. They didn't find them early enough on to find their bodies. So, and there was no like, um, they, there was no like bite marks or scratch marks or anything on the bones. So, which is odd. Cause you would think even, even if they weren't killed by something, something would have found the body and at least bitten and eaten yeah, them. Right. Yeah. Right. Weird. Um, not that weird though. Two girls get lost in the jungle. No, but it's more of just like what exactly happened. That's kind of weird. Like the way that, cause like, well, it is weird how long they persisted. Well, in some of the or, photos, if you go one. look up the pictures online, um, not including the ones of the, the 90 that were taken, there's like one of like a picture of toilet paper, a rock and a mirror all sitting together. There's picture of like a twig with a candy bar wrapper hanging off of it on a rock with a few other candy bar wrappers around it. Like there's some very weird pictures. Yeah. That would make it weirder. Yeah. That make it very strange. And it's just, it's kind of one of those that it's not really more, it's not really like, Oh, I think something crazy happened. It's more of like, how insane is it that we'll just never know what happened to these. Yeah. There's just so much evidence of nothing. Yes. And I mean, yeah, there's just, I mean, and we can all speculate and have our ideas, but in the end, like, and I mean, if the craziest thought to me is if the last time the phone was opened, or turned on and then turned off again. There's obviously a chance someone else did it. Whatever. It was April 11th. That was 10 days. So that means that if it was Froon that made it that long and that was trying to get through her phone, her friend's phone and stuff, she made 10 days in the woods and she started putting in the wrong pin on the 6th. So for four whole days, she was alone. That sucks. In the jungle. So it's more of like, 
It's more of like the American dial of pass on where it's just sad. Yeah, that is just like really. Also, maybe if you are in a new place, don't go hiking by yourself with just some dogs. Yeah. Just an idea. Not trying to blame them or anything. Just some advice. But anyways, yeah. Very odd. Um, Yeah. No other advice. Can't. uh, What's it called? Compass map. What is it? Isn't there kind of like um like a satellite phone that you can take? Satellite phone that, that emergency can, beacon. Yeah. Uh, uh, what's it called? Flyers. Yep. Yeah, you wouldn't even need flyers. Speaking of which, I need to buy an emergency beacon because right. I don't have one. Interesting tidbit. Yeah. Um. All right. So we're gonna take a break for some ads. So we have like always my bookie. Now we also are choosing our own. Um what's it called shows to promo, which is cool. Um, because you know, we were on like this rotation for the whole network and now we've kind of been put into our own subset, which is nice. Um, which also, if you haven't checked out the network lately, do it. We have like over 150 shows, so many shows um, and they're just covering everything you can imagine. Anything you want, like, uh, specifically sports is very well covered. And then, you know, the offshoot shows, like there's, there's a bunch of good stuff. So check out our network. That's big heads media, big heads media.com. It's at the beginning of every episode um unless you skip that which is fine uh but yeah like me in every podcast yep um yeah so see you in a minute Bennett. 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 see you in a minute all right so longtime fans of the show will know that i am a huge football fan we actually even have a uh, fantasy football league for the podcast that's going on right now um and when I root on my Texans, Rockets and Astros, um, you know, sometimes you just have to put a little bit of money on the line. Like for this last Astros game, there was a guy who bet $300,000 and won like 900,000 or something like that. Um, I don't think he did it at my bookie, but you can. So um, my bookie is a website that allows uh, booking online. And if you use our promo code late fees, L-A-T-E, F-E-E-S, no spaces, you can get a double deposit on your first deposit up to $1,000. So if you put in $1,000, they'll give you another thousand to go wager. Um, And again, that promo code is late fees, L-A-T-E-F-E-E-S, which does come from like one of our uh, podcast network partners, um, Massive Late Fee. And um, if you enter that promo code, you get to double your initial deposit. So visit mybookie.ag today. That's mybookie, M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E dot A-G. You play, you win, you get paid. Hi, I'm Mark, and I'm one of the hosts of Massive Late Fee. Do you remember Blockbuster? Well, we do, and we racked up a lot of late fees there. That's why we're glad there's things like Netflix, Hulu, and Blockbuster has died, mostly because of us. We cover streaming shows and pretty much whatever we want. Join us every Thursday as we talk TV and movies on Massive Late Fee. You can find us at Massive Late Fee on Twitter, Massive Late Fee on Facebook. You can email the show at Massive Late Fee at Gmail com and you can find us at MySpace Massive Late Fee. Massive Late Fee, the best podcast we can think of. Alright, so I wanted to take a different kind of tack on the ghost stories because me and Rich were actually talking about like how we cover ghost stories and we we pretty much like rehash all the same points because we haven't changed that much on what we think about ghosts. Um, so like the ghost hunts are fun because then we actually experience it and then that's different. But as far as covering the ghost story, we don't want it to get dull. So just to try to s- try something else um, and let me know if you like it. I found this like first person narrative um of a ghost encounter and I want to just kind of read it like word for word, kind of like a story time or like, um, the listener stories that we do. Um, 
and just see if that's like better. Could be worse. I don't know. So let us know. But it's just better than like if I gave just bullet points and we talked about it because we have nothing else to talk about for ghosts. I don't think anyway. Um, so anyway, this came from the Huff Post. It's only been out five days, so I'm hoping most of you guys haven't read it. Um, but title of the article is I worked on a paranormal reality show, but what I saw off camera really terrified me. So he doesn't give away the show, but I'm pretty sure it's a haunting. Do you know that one? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So here it goes. We've all been there. You're channel surfing on a lazy Saturday afternoon when suddenly you land upon a green night vision scene showcasing a group of ghost hunters. But what, if anything, is real and what's just TV hocus pocus? Well, after booking a gig on one of these uh, paranormal reality TV shows, I got my answer. You know the shows I'm talking about. Television is currently flooded with series that feature ordinary folks sharing their supposedly supernatural encounters. So not ghost hunters, right? Um, Or investigators um, camping out in a haunted location in the hopes of finally capturing something irrefutably real on camera. That's ghost hunters. Yeah, right. Um, But this guy is an actor for something that's like a recap, like a haunting. Uh, so like where it has the the reenactments, re- the real good reenactments. Yeah, the just haunting is decent. High quality. A haunting is decent. What's the one that we always that we you used to make me watch that has the worst? A ha- a haunting, but no. it could be Paranormal Survivor. They're the better ones. No, there's a. It's another one that's like something story or something. I can't remember. It's a haunting. I don't think it is. Pretty I think sure. It's a different one. Anyway, he says several months ago while scrolling through a casting website. Oh, by the way, this is. Alex Aronson, um, and again, HuffPost, I want to give them total credit because I'm literally reading this word for word. I just want to share with you guys. Um, Other than our commentary, of course, which is gold. Oh, and Molly's ears, of course. Um, But anyway, several months ago, while scrolling through a casting website, I found a call for actors to reenact a paranormal encounter. I've done a few acting jobs before, but nothing like this. Still, I figured, why not give it a go? So I sent over my photos and acting reel. All in all, it was a relatively painless process. I emailed back and forth and chatted on the phone a few times with the casting directors. And because they would uh, be shooting the reenactments with no lines, there was no need for me to audition. My... <laughs> There were no lines. My reel was enough. Within a month. Is it funny that he said no lines? It's just it's just funny that like the reenactment is so bad. He literally has no lines. But I mean, he's you'll you'll find out why later. But it's just funny. Uh, Within a month, I was confirmed for a gig on a well-known network for one of the television's longest running paranormal reality shows, which is why I think it's a haunting because they've been around for like 10 years now. Yeah, that's true. Um, You you could look up his IMDb. I'm just too lazy. I was stoked as I have long been a fan of these types of shows. Growing up, my grandma raised me on a healthy dose of unsolved mysteries and midnight radio. Pair that with the fact that my childhood home stood on the grounds of a former asylum for the mentally ill and you have the perfect ingredients to create a paranormal fanatic. While the validity of what happens on some of these shows is somewhat questionable, to say the least, they are undeniably entertaining. Which kind of ties in what we've been doing, the whole like go show reviews. That's Mm -hmm. why I thought this was cool. Um... Cut and action. And sure, they can even be a bit hokey at times, but I still love them. Uh, they're also a ratings gold mine for the networks and in turn drive an entire industry of paranormal fanfare and conventions. Though I was excited to book my role when it can when it comes to ghosts, I consider myself a skeptical believer. As I open as open as I am to the realm of the supernatural and what may lie on the other side, I am very grounded in my beliefs. I'm never going to hear a creaking floorboard and immediately jump to the conclusion that it was caused by Casper and his buddies. Sounds familiar, right? Um, I want to see convincing evidence, but I'm also open to the idea that some things are beyond our comprehension. On the day of the shoot, I drove to where the show was filming in upstate New York. I thought I was headed to a stand-in haunted house, quote-unquote, 
or a television set, but my GPS directed me down a long gravel driveway flanked by overgrown cattails. As I pulled up down the narrow drive, a decrepit farmhouse with patches of age siding and chipped trim came into view. When I laid my eyes on the eerie two-story structure, I thought to myself, wow, what a brilliant production design. But little did I know this was no set. Production was filming the reenactment segments at the actual house being featured on the show, the quote-unquote real haunted house. Going into the shoot, the producers disclosed the title of the series pretty early on. I had heard of the show, but it had been a long time since I watched it. Still, I didn't realize this particular program filmed the reenactments at the locations where the events actually took place. That's cool. Yeah. And while I was ready as I could be for my scenes, I wasn't ready for what I'd encounter in the house that day. When I arrived, one of the show's producers quickly greeted me and walked me to a tent in the front yard where the cast and crew... Uh, could camp between takes. There I met the homeowners and they shared a bit of the property's rich and deeply disturbing history, as well as a few of their personal paranormal experiences. Several children supposedly passed away on the property after experiencing various accidents, as it's not that as if that's not dark enough. An expectant mother reportedly hung herself from a tree in front in the front yard. And an alleged serial killer is said to have once resided in the house. Of course he was. Nearly a dozen bodies have been unearthed in the backyard alone. However, it's unknown exactly how many souls claim the surrounding swampland as their final resting place. The inhabitants of the house say they've seen unexplained shadows and heard disembodied voices and even growls. They claim an angry spirit who lives on the second floor of the house has also made his presence abundantly clear. The family's priest who was present during filming that day recalled the time an unseen force assaulted him on the staircase inside the house and left a scratch on his arm. Because we were filming at the very location where the entire allegedly where the entity allegedly harmed him, he voiced his concern for the cast and crew who were shooting inside the home. But it was this piece of advice that he gave us that sent shivers down my spine. Make sure nothing follows you home. He explained that it's common for a spirit to trail someone from a haunted house or haunted site. Basically, you you visited them at their house, so now it's time for them to visit yours. I didn't want to experience that, and neither did any of the cast or crew. The priest claimed that in order to avoid a spirit following you off the premise, you simply have to speak aloud something along the lines of, if there's anything following me, you're not welcome here, go away. The tactic apparently worked for him, or at least he said it did, so I figured I'd no, give it a try when I left. That's not something I would like... Put a lot of trust in. <laughs> that's a lot of eggs in that shaky basket. Um, but that's, anyway. a lot, that's a very Zach Bagans way of handling right. that. Um, and then he goes, I mean, better safe than sorry, right? My scenes weren't until after lunch. So as everyone else was filming, I wandered outside and decided to explore the barn that was adjacent to the house. As I entered the empty structure, I heard what sounded like someone walking on the tin roof of the barn. Has this man never seen a scary movie? Right. You don't do that. Exactly. I rushed outside to see if there was someone on the roof, but I didn't see anyone. It would have been impossible to climb to the top of the barn without a ladder. And there wasn't one. And besides, everyone else was inside the house shooting a scene. I was spooked, especially considering why I was on the property in the first place. But I also wasn't convinced that I had heard real footsteps. I returned to the production tent and the homeowners joined me not long afterwards. They showed me their spirit box, a piece of ghost hunting equipment that looks similar to a radio. The spirit box supposedly pick up picks up frequencies that cannot be heard by the human ear and makes them audible, aka radio. What? What is this guy? And uh, some, <laughs> some, you can't just hear radio. Um And some paranormal researchers claim it allows them to communicate with the dead. The homeowners proceeded to ask the box if there were any spirits present present, and almost immediately a robotic voice replied yes. When they asked the entity to reveal its location, the box said in the barn. My heart, yeah, my heart immediately skipped a beat. One of the homeowners then told me they believed a, quote, friendly spirit lived in the barn. They called him, quote, Tin Man, as he was frequently heard walking on the barn's tin roof. 
Uh, of course he was. Yep. The actor's jaw dropped. Uh, did the footsteps that I had just heard belong to the Tin Man? Um, I had no way of being sure, so I decided to keep it to myself. Um, but before I could even completely process my thoughts, the director told me it's time to get into costume, which looked like this. Um, it's a black fedora and a black shirt. Um, I was presented with mostly a black wardrobe consisting of dark jeans, a work shirt and a fedora. And I quickly changed in my car. Uh, ah, the glamorous world of television. He says, <laughs> um, I didn't know much about my role or what I'd be doing. I'd only been told that I'd be playing a menacing looking spirit for the reenactment segments. I hadn't received a script ahead of time because I didn't have any lines to memorize. And I was told that my blocking, which is like when, where you tell an actor what to do right, yeah. and how to do it, um, would be explained to him on set or me on set rather. I didn't even know which spirit I was supposed to be playing. But when I returned to the tent, the homeowner saw my fedora and immediately knew, quote, oh, you're playing him. Him, I reluctantly asked. Ooh. They told me about the spirit of the man who supposedly occupies the top floor of the house. They claimed he was by far the darkest spirit that had resided in the house, and they believed him to be the one that attacked the priest on the stairs. He also allegedly attacked another visitor at the house by throwing a heavy can of food at his head. Great. I was playing the man who turned out to be the most evil spirit in the house and on his own turf, no less. After the homeowners revealed this information to me, the rest of the cast and the crew came outside for lunch as they were eating. Something caught my eye on the second story of the house. I suddenly mm. noticed a curtain in a window begin to move as I, as if someone was slowly peeling it back. I immediately thought it was unusual because as far as I knew, no one was upstairs and it was particularly still, it was a particularly still summer day i continued to intently watch the curtain when a crew member noticed my gaze she asked if there was anyone up there and the director confirmed that everyone was outside someone asked if a fan might be running in that room but due to the silence that's required for filming all of the fans in the home had been shut off one of the homeowners noted that it was probably him and before anyone could say another word the curtain pulled back once again and a ghoulish face stared directly oh. at us um, there he is, she said, matter of factly. She had lived in the home almost mo all of her life, so she claimed to have grown up with this sort of activity, and to her, it was almost commonplace. I, on the other hand, was fully trembling at this point. How could that ever become normal? Right. The curtain dropped back into place, and he was gone as soon as he had appeared. I couldn't believe what I had just witnessed. I just saw a ghost, or at least I believed to, what I believed to be a ghost, and he appeared to be watching me. My pulse was racing. The entity was only in view for a second, and you would have, have had to focus on the window at the right moment to see it. But I was certain someone had been looking out that window. I couldn't take my eyes off the spot where I had just seen his face. Several other people present also claimed to have seen him or something in the window, and the homeowner seemed almost a little excited that he decided to make a quick cameo. I was less than enthused. I immediately tried to find a way to explain away what I'd seen. I wondered if it could be it could have been a reflection of some sort, but the outline was so distinct and the curtain movement was very obvious. It had all happened in a way that made it difficult to rationalize or discredit. I know that I was filming at least some of my scenes in the house. And after all the stories and having experienced what I just experienced, I really didn't want to go inside, but I already had signed the contract and everyone was ready to shoot. And I didn't feel I could back out at that point. Plus the crew had been filming inside all morning. And nothing had happened to, to any of them. So I hoped I'd be okay. The director who didn't see the man in the window or have much time to entertain the sighting began to organize the crew to shoot my upcoming scene before I knew it, it was time to head inside. 
My stomach began to churn as I entered the house for the first time. Old photos lined the wood paneled walls. The temperature was scorching and the production lights didn't help with the heat either. Um, even though it was a bright and sunny day outside, the inside was eerily dark. I slowly walked up the stairs and into the second floor loft where I immediately locked my eyes on the curtain. I had seen him or something peering through moments before. As the director and camera crew reviewed the storyboards, I couldn't shake the feeling that I was being watched. A creepy doll sat in the corner and I couldn't tell mm -hmm. if that belonged to the house or was a prop lugged in by the crew to set the scene. As it turned out, everything was normal or was original to the home and I felt seriously uneasy in that second floor room. We spent what seemed like hours upstairs, but we only filmed one scene. The rest of my scenes were in other parts of the house and outside. Needless to say, I was happy when we finished filming upstairs and I could finally leave that room. When the director called my rap, I immediately hopped into my car and left. Remembering what the priest's advice was, I spoke aloud, if there's anything following me home, you're not welcome. As I pulled away from the property, I wasn't convinced it would do anything or that there was even anything that needed to be done, but I definitely didn't want to wake up and find him standing at the foot of my bed. Driving home late that night, I found myself continuously checking my rearview mirror to ensure there was nothing or no one in my back seat. Mm. My mind raced as I replayed what happened in the barn and what I saw on the second floor window, and I was legitimately spooked by what I had experienced that day. Even writing about this experience now, adrenaline is pumping through my veins. Some might think that my experience would deter me uh, from considering any more paranormal adventures, but if anything, that day actually added to the fuel uh, added added fuel to my curiosity about the supernatural as freaked out as I was. I'm now equally, if not more intrigued before doing the project. I always wondered if the real haunted houses and these reality shows were actually real. And what I've learned is that experience can truly shape perspective. What, uh, was it the environment that I interacted with and the stories I was told while filming that caused me to hear and see certain things? Maybe, but after that, my day at that house, I believe what I experienced can't be easily debunked. Still what's, what makes so many of these shows and these kind of experiences in general so frustrating is that there is no smoking gun that can ever prove existence of the paranormal. I find myself replaying that day over and over in hopes of finding a way to explain away what happened or maybe and to finally truly convince myself that I really did see a ghost that day. I completely understand if other people don't believe in the supernatural and I'm sure some people reading this are already looking for ways to punch holes in my story and that's completely okay. It's hard for me to even believe and I was there. Ultimately, I hope people can agree to keep an open mind because there's so much in this world and beyond it that we can't explain. And until we can, I'm going to keep wondering uh, and keep looking for explanations whenever and wherever I can find them. Pretty good story, right? Yeah, I liked it. I liked it, too. So um, a couple things. Whenever I first read that, um, the first thing that really struck me was just like that first time seeing something again. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because like... Um, even when we do listener stories or whenever we talk about it, like it's always, it's almost always like, well, it's happened before, or we don't know if it's happened to the person before. This is one of the few times I've actually read like a first person account where he talks about like, this is the first time this actually happened to me. Right. Um, and then doesn't string it together with more and more instances, right? Like it just gets to live in isolation as the first paranormal mm -hmm. um, experience. And I think that's really what made it stick out to me and what made it cool is that like, like he said, like it adds fuel to the fire. Like I remember the first set of things that happened to me and maybe even the first thing, but like it was really cool to have somebody as an adult have their first ever experience and like be able to write about it in a big way, you know? Yeah, that is cool. Um, so like I said, I mean, we really don't have anything fresh to talk about as far as ghosts go. Um, but the, again, it's the mix of, was it real? Was it all in his head? Was it? Yeah. Well, and even if it is all in your head, does that make it any less real? Yeah. Right. right. Um, 
So, yeah, I mean, nothing, nothing too fresh. So, you know, go back through the other episodes and you can hear, especially the one where I don't remember what I titled it, but the what do we feel about things? Yeah, right. <laughs> Check that one out. Um, but like I said, I just think it's really cool to, to see that first experience. So um, we're gearing up for our next special episode, um, which always comes with a... Uh, What's it got like a mini special as well. Um, and so what I would say is like, we're trying to get, we have about a month until that happens. Um, and so we would like to do a listener story um, episode again, but let's see if we can get some more people to talk about like their first ever paranormal experience. Right. So even if you've shared before or whatever, like let us know what your first ever thing. And it doesn't have to be paranormal. No. Yeah. First anything. Experience. First anything. Yeah. Um, or any experience at all. Yeah, or anything at all. But just if it is one of your first, like point it out to us, right? Because and, and how that made you think about the world differently, maybe like like kind of go into it a little bit, because that's one of the things that like we love doing about the show. Like I, I think last week I talked about it with the with the gimbal go fast and Nimitz incident. Like I legitimately feel differently about how the universe is shaped, like from a like an alien perspective, you know. So, yeah, talk to us about that, like, you know do you actually believe in an afterlife now? Or do you just, you know, think that it's more power of the brain or whatever it may be? Like, I just think it's really interesting. All right, cool. Well, that does it for this week. Um, reach out to us, share your stories with us. We love that dialogue and you guys have a good week. Bye. Bye.